Volume 7, Chapter 4 of Cecilia. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recorded by Ray. Cecilia, Memoirs of an Heiress by Frances Burney. Volume 7, Chapter 4 A Proposition. Early the next morning, Delville again made his appearance. Cecilia, who was at breakfast with Mrs. and Miss Charltons, received him with the most painful confusion, and he was evidently himself in a state of the utmost perturbation. Mrs. Charlton made a pretense almost immediately for sending away both her granddaughters, and then, without taking the trouble of devising one for herself, arose and followed them, though Cecilia made sundry signs of solicitation that she should stay. Finding herself now alone with him, she hastily, and without knowing what she said, cried, "'How is Mrs. Delville, sir? Is she still at Bristol?' "'At Bristol? No. Have you never heard she is returned to Delville Castle?' "'Oh, true. I meant Delville Castle, but I hope she found some benefit from the waters. She had not, I believe, any occasion to try them.' Cecilia, ashamed of these two following mistakes, coloured high, but ventured not again to speak, and Delville, who seemed big with something he feared to utter, arose, and walked for a few instants about the room, after which, exclaiming aloud, "'How vain is every plan which passes the present hour!' he advanced to Cecilia, who pretended to be looking at some work, and seating himself next to her, "'When we parted yesterday,' he cried, "'I presume to say one night alone should be given to deliberation.' and to-day, this very day, to action. But I forgot that though in deliberating I had only myself to consult, in acting I was not so independent, and that when my own doubts were satisfied, and my own resolutions taken, other doubts and other resolutions must be considered, by which my proposed proceedings might be retarded, might perhaps be wholly prevented. He paused, but Cecilia, unable to conjecture to what he was leading, made not any answer. "'Upon you, madam,' he continued, "'all that is good or evil of my future life, as far as relates to its happiness or misery, will from this very hour almost solely depend. Yet, much as I rely upon your goodness, and superior as I know you to trifling or affectation, what I now come to propose, to petition, to entreat, I cannot summon courage to mention from a dread of alarming you. What next, thought Cecilia, trembling at this introduction, is preparing for me? Does he mean to ask me to solicit Mrs. Delville's consent? Or from myself must he receive commands that we should never meet more? Is Miss Beverley, cried he, determined not to speak to me? Is she bent upon silence only to intimidate me? Indeed, if she knew how greatly I respect her, she would honour me with more confidence. When, sir, cried she, do you mean to make your tour? Never, cried he with fervour. Unless banished by you, never. No, loveliest Miss Beverley, I can now quit you no more. Fortune, beauty, worth, and sweetness I had power to relinquish— and severe as was the task, I compelled myself to perform it. 
but when to these I find joined so attractive a softness, a pity for my suffering so unexpectedly gentle, no! Sweetest Miss Beverley, I can quit you no more. And then, seizing her hand with yet greater energy, he went on, I here, he cried, offer you my vows. I here own you sole arbitress of my fate. I give you not merely the possession of my heart, that indeed I had no power to withhold from you, but I give you the direction of my conduct, I entreat you to become my counsellor and guide. Will Miss Beverley accept such an office? Will she deign to listen to such a prayer? Yes, cried Cecilia, involuntarily delighted to find that such was the result of his night's deliberation. I am most ready to give you my counsel, which I now do, that you set off for the continent to-morrow morning. Oh, how malicious, cried he, half laughing. Yet not so immediately do I even request your counsel. Something must first be done to qualify you for giving it. Penetration, skill, and understanding, however amply you possess them, are not sufficient to fit you for the charge. Something still more is requisite. You must be invested with fuller powers. You must have a right less disputable, and a title that not alone, inclination, not even judgment alone must sanctify, but which law must enforce, and rights the most solemn support. I think, then, said Cecilia, deeply blushing, I must be content to forbear giving any counsel at all, if the qualifications for it are so difficult of acquirement. Resent not my presumption, cried he, my beloved Miss Beverley, but let the severity of my recent sufferings palliate my present temerity, for where affliction has been deep and serious, causeless and unnecessary misery will find little encouragement, and mine has been serious indeed. Sweetly, then, permit me, in proportion to its bitterness, to rejoice in the soft reverse which now flatters me with its approach. Cecilia, abashed and uneasy, uncertain of what was to follow, and unwilling to speak till more assured, paused, and then abruptly exclaimed, I am afraid Mrs. Charlton is waiting for me, and would have hurried away, but Delville, almost forcibly preventing her, compelled her to stay and after a short conversation, on his side the most impassioned, and on hers the most confused, obtained from her what indeed, after the surprise of the preceding evening, she could but ill deny, a frank confirmation of his power over her heart, and an ingenious though reluctant acknowledgment how long he had possessed it. This confession, made as affairs now stood wholly in opposition to her judgment, was torn from her by an impetuous urgency which she had not presence of mind to resist, and with which Delville, when particularly animated, had long been accustomed to overpower all opposition. The joy with which he heard it, though but little mixed with wonder, was as violent as the eagerness with which he had sought it. Yet it was not of long duration. A sudden and most painful recollection presently quelled it and even in the midst of his rapturous acknowledgment seemed to strike him to the heart. Cecilia, soon perceiving both in his countenance and manner an alteration that shocked her, bitterly repented an vowel which she could never recall, and looked aghast with expectation and dread. Delville, who with quickness saw a change of expression in her of which in himself he was unconscious, exclaimed with much emotion, Oh, how transient is human felicity! 
how rapidly fly those rare and exquisite moments in which it is perfect ah sweetest miss beverley what words shall i find to soften what i have now to reveal to tell you that after goodness candour generosity such as yours a request a supplication remains yet to be uttered that banishes me if refused from your presence for ever cecilia extremely dismayed desired to know what it was an evident dread of offending her kept him some time from proceeding but at length after repeatedly expressing his fears of her disapprobation and the repugnance even on his own part to the very measure he was obliged to urge he acknowledged that all his hopes of being ever united to her rested upon obtaining her consent to an immediate and secret marriage cecilia thunderstruck by this declaration remained for a few instants too much confounded to speak but when he was beginning an explanatory apology she started up and glowing with indignation said i had flattered myself sir that both my character and my conduct independent of my situation in life would have exempted me at all times from a proposal which i shall ever think myself degraded by having heard and then she was again going but delville still prevented her said i knew too well how much you would be alarmed and such was my dread of your displeasure that it had power even to embitter the happiness i sought with so much earnestness and to render your condescension insufficient to ensure it yet wonder not at my scheme wild as it may appear it is the result of deliberation and censurable as it may seem it springs not from unworthy motives whatever may be your motives with respect to yourself sir said cecilia with respect to me they must certainly be disgraceful i will not therefore listen to them you wrong me cruelly cried he with warmth and a moment's reflection must tell you that however distinct may be our honour or our disgrace in every other instance in that by which we should be united they must inevitably be the same and far sooner would i voluntarily relinquish you than be myself accessory to tainting that delicacy of which the unsullied purity has been the chief source of my apparition why then cried cecilia reproachfully have you mentioned to me such a project circumstances the most singular a necessity the most unavoidable he answered should alone have ever tempted me to form it no longer ago than yesterday morning i believed myself incapable of even wishing it but extraordinary situations call for extraordinary resolutions and in private as well as public life palliate at least extraordinary actions alas the proposal which so much offends you is my final resource it is the sole barrier between myself and perpetual misery the only expedient in my power to save me from eternally parting from you for i am compelled now cruelly to confess that my family i am certain will never consent to our union neither then sir cried cecilia with great spirit will i the disdain i may meet with i pretend not to retort but wilfully to encounter were meanly to deserve it i will enter into no family in opposition to its wishes i will consent to no alliance that may expose me to indignity nothing is so contagious as contempt 
The example of your friends might work powerfully upon yourself, and who shall dare assure me you would not catch the infection? I dare assure you, cried he, hasty you may perhaps think me, and somewhat impetuous I cannot deny myself, but believe me not of so wretched a character as to be capable in any affair of moment of fickleness or caprice. But what, sir, is my security to the contrary? Have you not this moment avowed that but yesterday you held in abhorrence the very plan to to-day you propose? That may not to-morrow resume again the same opinion? Cruel, Miss Brevely, how unjust is this inference! If yesterday I disproved what to-day I recommend, a little recollection must surely tell you why, and that not my opinion but my situation is changed. The conscious Cecilia here turned away her head, too certain he alluded to the discovery of her partiality. "'Have you not yourself,' he continued, "'witnessed the steadiness of my mind? Have you not behold me fly when I had power to pursue and avoid when I had opportunity to seek you? After witnessing my constancy upon such trying occasions, is it equitable, is it right, to suspect me of wavering?' But what, cried she, was the constancy which brought you into Suffolk? When all occasion was over for our meeting any more, when you told me you were going abroad and took leave of me for ever, where then was your steadiness in this unnecessary journey? Have a care, cried he, half smiling, and taking a letter from his pocket. Have a care, upon this point, how you provoke me to spew my justification. Ah, cried Cecilia, blushing, tis some trick of Lady Honoria. No, upon my honour, the authority is less doubtful. I believe I should hardly else have regarded it. Cecilia, much alarmed, held out her hand for the letter, and looking first at the end was much astonished to see the name of Biddeff. She then cast her eye over the beginning, and then, when she saw her own name, read the following paragraph. Miss Beverley, as you doubtless know, is returned into Suffolk. Everybody here saw her with the utmost surprise. From the moment I had heard of her residence in Delville Castle, I had given her up for lost. But, upon her unexpected appearance among us again, I was weak enough once more to make trial of her heart. I soon found, however, that the pain of a second rejection you might have spared me, and that though she had quitted Delville Castle, she had not for nothing entered it. At the sound of your name she blushes, at the mention of your illness she turns pale, and the dog you have given her, which I recollected immediately, is her darling companion. Oh, happy Delville, yet so lovely a conquest you abandon! Cecilia could read no more. The letter dropped from her hand. To find herself thus by her own emotions betrayed, made her instantly conclude she was universally discovered, and turning sick at the supposition, all her spirit forsook her, and she burst into tears. "'Good heaven!' cried Delville, extremely shocked. "'What has thus affected you?' "'Can the jealous surmises of an apprehensive rival—' "'Do not talk to me!' interrupted her, impatiently, 
and do not detain me i am extremely disturbed i wish to be alone i beg i even entreat you you would leave me i will go i will obey you in everything cried he eagerly tell me but when i may return and when will you suffer me to explain to you all the motives of my proposal never never cried she with earnestness i am sufficiently lowered already but never will i intrude myself into a family that disdains me disdains no you are revered in it who could disdain you that fatal clause alone well well pray leave me indeed i cannot hear you i am unfit for argument and all reasoning now is nothing less than cruelty i am gone cried he this moment i would not even wish to take advantage of your agitation to in order to work upon your sensibility my desire is not to surprise but to reconcile you to my plan what is it i seek in miss beverley an heiress no as such she has seen i could resist her nor yet the light trifler of a spring or two neglected when no longer a novelty no no it is a companion for ever it is a solace for every care it is a bosom friend through every period of life that i seek in miss beverley her esteem therefore to me is as precious as her affection for how can I hope her friendship in the winter of my days, if their brighter and gayer season is darkened by doubts of my integrity? All shall be clear and explicit. No latent cause of uneasiness shall disturb our future quiet. We will now be sincere, that hereafter we may be easy and sweetly in unclouded felicity. Time shall glide away imperceptibly, and we will make an interest with each other in the gaiety of youth, to bear with the infirmities of age and alleviate them by kindness and sympathy and then shall my soothing cecilia oh say no more interrupted she softened in her own despite by a plan so consonant to her wishes what language is this how improper for you to use or me to hear she then very earnestly insisted upon his going and after a thousand times taking leave and returning promising obedience yet pursuing his own way he at length said if she would consent to receive a letter from him he would endeavour to commit what he had to communicate to paper since their mutual agitation made him unable to explain himself with clearness and rather hurt his cause than assisted it by leaving all his arguments unfinished and obscure another dispute now arose cecilia protesting she would receive no letter and hear nothing upon the subject and Delville, impetuously declaring he would submit to no award without being first heard. At length he conquered, and at length he departed. Cecilia then felt her whole heart sink within her at the unhappiness of her situation. She considered herself now condemned to refuse Delville herself, as the only condition upon which he even solicited her favour, neither the strictness of her principles nor the delicacy of her mind would suffer her to accept. Her displeasure at the proposal had been wholly unaffected, and she regarded it as an injury to her character ever to have received it. Yet that Delville's pride of heart should give way to his passion, that he should love her with so much fondness as to relinquish for her the ambitious schemes of his family, and even that darling name which so lately seemed annexed to his existence, were circumstances to which she was not insensible, and proofs of tenderness and regard which she had thought incompatible with the general spirit of his disposition. Yet, however, by these she was gratified, 
she resolved never to comply with so humiliating a measure but to wait the consent of his friends or renounce him for ever End of chapter four. Recording by Ray.